Coming up on today's episode, we got more Dolphins talk for you here today. Like I said before, just because the season is over does not mean Dolphins talk stops on this podcast. Obviously, a lot of things to talk about. Seven head coaches are candidates for the Dolphins. They're going to be interviewing with the Dolphins. We'll see who's going to be the next head coach. I'm going to give you guys my top three, give you guys a little bit of breakdown of all the candidates, talk about it, Dolphins talk. I talk about Tua. What should we look forward to? What should we do with this upcoming offseason? Obviously, we have a lot of cap space, so we got to use that money wisely, but I'll share my thoughts on that. So a lot of Dolphins talk for you here. Then NFL playoffs, they just kicked off this past weekend. Going to give a little recap of my thoughts, my reactions on the games. Looking forward to the divisional round, giving my predictions, and then wrapping things up on the show with NBA talk and Heat talk, just like always. All that coming up on the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast. Hope you all had a fabulous weekend, and we have a lot to talk about on this podcast today. Obviously, like I said in the intro, we're going to be talking about some playoffs, but we're going to start things off with the Dolphins. And even though the season is over for our Miami Dolphins, you know for a fact it don't stop there. And obviously, the big news surrounding the Dolphins around this time is basically who is going to be the next head coach. Now, there's a lot of candidates out there, seven at the moment. So we have seven people who are a candidate to be the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I believe that the Dolphins are doing one interview a day, which I really, really like because you kind of get a feel of somebody, you, you know, you let it sit there, let it marinate, whether you like the candidate or not. But you know what? A couple things shocked me. Two of the guys that I really wanted aren't even a candidate. One being Doug Peterson. And for those who think, you know, he ended off bad in Philadelphia, why would you want Doug Peterson? Well, it's simple. I mean, Doug Peterson, first of all, won the Super Bowl with the Eagles, had Carson Wentz playing at an MVP level. Like, people forget that. Carson Wentz. The guy who pretty much sucks ever since then. His best year was with Doug Peterson. So Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl with the backup quarterback. He has the experience, has a great relationship with Dan Marino. Right then and there, that's enough for me to buy in. I mean, I want a head coach with head coach experience. And if you can have a Super Bowl ring attached to that, that's icing on the cake to me. See, the thing about these first-year head coaches that you don't know, I mean, it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah, you can end up with a great candidate and a great head coach, but there's also a possibility of it might be bad. I mean, remember, Adam Gase was a hot topic. Like, everybody wanted him. A lot of people wanted him. And then we bought him in, and then he sucked. Brian Flores, first-time head coach. I mean, he didn't suck, but obviously he's fired, right? So you are taking a chance when you are getting a lot of these first-time guys. So number one reason why I want Doug Peterson above all. But that's neither here or there. Nonetheless, I don't know if he becomes a candidate, but as of right now, he's not one of the seven. But let me tell you, for those who don't know, who are the seven. So we got Brian Dable, okay? That's a guy who I like. That's number two on my list. He is a first-year head coach if he gets the job. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at the other candidates that are out there, to me, it's Doug Peterson, one, and Brian Dable, two. Brian Dable, obviously, is the offensive coordinator with the Bills. You know, he previously was an offensive coordinator with the Dolphins back then. So 
he does have experience, you know, in Miami, but what he's done with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen in particular, like that's, you guys see it. I mean, the Bills are unstoppable. The Bills look freaking great. They just beat the shit out of the New England Patriots. And they've pretty much owned the Dolphins for years and years and years. Remember, Josh Allen didn't really start his career off right. I mean, his rookie season was not good at all. But Brian Dable really got the best out of Josh Allen and has Josh Allen playing like an MVP candidate. I mean, the last couple of years. I mean, you've seen what he's done. I obviously hate the damn Bills, but it's hard to ignore what he's done. So he's obviously really, really good, has experience, is great offensive minded. So that's something the Dolphins need because the Dolphins have pretty much been relying on their defense time and time again. So if you can unlock something on offense, that would be great. And not to mention, he has experience with Tua because he was his offensive coordinator in Alabama. So right then and there, he's a Tua supporter. He's a Tua guy. Offense is amazing. He fixed Josh Allen. Right then and there, you got a lot of reasons why you would want him as your coach. That's why he's my second. But we have other candidates. These guys are not guys that I want, but I just want to read them off to you. Those of you who don't know, Mike McDaniel, obviously he's another one. He's the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. He's this smart guy, high IQ. You've seen what he's done with Debo Samuel. He's made him into a running back and a wide receiver, and he's been playing out of his mind, which we're going to talk about when we talk about the playoffs. But he's only had a year of doing this, so he's kind of fresh. And that's right there, the Dolphins and the fan base. I see a lot of people really, really like him, but you really want to take a chance on that? I don't think the guy's ready. I think he's incredibly smart and a beast of an offensive coordinator. But do you really want him as a head coach? I don't, personally. I don't. Another one is, speaking about, well, we'll talk about the same game. Dan Quinn, he's another one. I'm not a fan of Dan Quinn. Yeah, he was with the Seahawks, and they had that big, big defense, and they lost in the Super Bowl, but Dan Quinn was a big reason why that defense was playing top-notch. I don't want another defensive guy. And when he had his, another, his head coaching gig, I don't think he did good. Obviously, he got the Falcons to the Super Bowl, but I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. I'm not a Dan Quinn guy, absolutely not. Sticking on the Cowboys, Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator. It's a young head coach, first of all. So you would be taking a big chance. I'm not ready to take a chance. He was great as an offensive coordinator for Dallas this year, though. But then again, look at who they got. They got Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. The list goes on and on. CeeDee Lamb. We don't have all that type of talent on the offensive end in Miami. So who's to say that he's going to be able to replicate that? I, I don't see it. Another guy is Thomas Brown. Now, Thomas Brown... He's assistant head coach and the running back coach for the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know too much about this guy, so I can't say that I definitely don't want him. But what I do know is that, obviously, he's not experienced. He would be a first-time head coach. That's enough to scare me away. But I don't know too much about him, so I'm not going to really, really go deep into that. Uh, Leslie Frazier is another candidate. He's a defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, he does have experience, so that is the positive. But last I remember, he did not do too well as a head coach towards the end. So hard pass for me. And then the last candidate, Vance Joseph. Now, Vance Joseph, a lot of you guys know, last time the Dolphins had Vance Joseph, he was our defensive coordinator. That was back when we had Adam Gase and we made the playoffs. So Vance Joseph did some great things with that defense. That defense was playing really, really good. And that was a big, big reason why we got to the playoffs in the first place. But 
he ended up getting a head coaching gig, and that was with the Denver Broncos. And did he impress anybody? He didn't impress me. Now, he has ties with Chris Greer. Him and Chris Greer are really close friends, so that's what scares me, is that Chris Greer does have a relationship with him, and he might be like a, you know, a favorite here, which scares me, though, because I didn't like what Vance Joseph did as a head coach. I like him as a defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't think that's what we need. I think that's a mistake just waiting to happen. But it does worry me because of the relationship with him and Chris Greer. So those are the seven candidates as of now. Obviously, things can change. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. What I do know is my top three remains the same. And that's being Doug Peterson, number one, for the reasons I stated. Brian Dable, number two, for the reasons I stated. And then my third is Eric Bieniemy. Now, those two guys I have above Eric Bieniemy, like, I want those guys a lot. Then you have a slight drop-off, and then it's Eric Bieniemy. Obviously, I like Eric Bieniemy because all of the great things he does with the Kansas City Chiefs offense, I mean, you guys have seen it year after year. This guy, I don't know how he's not a head coach. You hear Mahomes talk highly of him. Obviously, you know, he plays for him, so he's going to talk highly for him. But you really, really feel that everything that Mahomes does say about this guy is true. So Eric Bieniemy is definitely in my top three. And those are my top three, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know when this deal will be done, but you got to assume fast. I mean, you have all these candidates, and if you don't offer one, then another team might scoop you out. So that being like Chicago's looking for a head coach, the Giants, the Vikings, there's a lot of head coach opportunities. So Dolphins might have to act fast here, but I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that Peterson isn't in it, but that's the head coaching update. Obviously, there were some news over the weekend, and that was basically that there was a source, I think it was Ian Rappaport, if I'm not mistaken, that said Tua Tagovailoa is probably most likely, like most more likely than not, I think it's like 90% if you had to do a percentile on it, that Tua is going to be the starting quarterback for 2022 and going forward. Now, you guys know how I feel about Tua. I love Tua. I have a Tua jersey. I wanted us to draft him. I don't regret the draft pick. I like the kid. I like his potential. I think he's really, really going to be good, especially going into his third year. And this is going to be his third year. Now, what I said is that a couple episodes before is that I don't see Tua being elite. Okay. I don't see Tua being a top five, top 10 quarterback at all in his career. I see him being above average, slightly better than average, which is what, top 14 out of 32. That's not too bad. But there's a couple of things that I need to see from Tua, and I didn't really see that in year two. So I got, I got a close, close eye on Tua, but I don't think he's a bust, which I said that. So if the Dolphins do go this route and make Tua the, basically the starter going forward, there has to be a line, okay? And by that line, I mean, if you don't do something year three, that's eye-popping to me, the fan base then we might have to pivot in another direction. But I'm willing to give to another year. I don't hate the idea of it. To me, if Aaron Rodgers wants to come to your team, I'm shooting my shot at Aaron Rodgers. Because I know Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback, puts you over the top. He's probably going to win MVP this year. But you match Aaron Rodgers with this Dolphins team, with that defense, I think you're instant Super Bowl contenders. But if it's not Aaron Rodgers, I'm not going to talk about Russell Wilson because honestly, I don't see Russ coming to Miami at all. He has a strong relationship with Tua. I don't think he will do Tua like that. Absolutely not. Deshaun Watson, 
that's a topic for another day. I mean, there's so many legal issues going on that there's no, there's no point of even talking about it. So to me, it's Rogers. Number one, if you can't keep Tua, then you keep Tua. that's, that's my second option here. So the decision to keep Tua as a starter, I, I like it. So now what you do is I would say, get him the coach that will support Tua spend your money with the offensive line of free agency draft another weapon and draft the running back. Remember, Tua's RPO system can only work if he has a good freaking running back. And the Dolphins refuse to do so. But you know what? I really have a feeling that it was Brian Flores that didn't like running backs and didn't value running backs like he should. So hopefully now that Chris Greer is probably going to put his foot down on more things, which I hope so, and there's going to be a new head coach, now you can put the things around Tua that Tua needs. Because, yeah, he should be playing better. It's his job. You got to do, do good with what you got. But now, I want the Dolphins to approach this next season where there's no more excuses that you can give Tua. Like, we really need to see what we got in Tua and what Tua can be. And the way to do that is to provide a great team and build around him. You build around Tua by, first of all, protecting him, getting a good offensive line. And the secondary thing, the second thing is getting a good running back. Because if you have a good running game, he's able to do the RPOs and it'll just open up things down the field for him to throw. That's how you build around Tua. Offensive line and a running back. Everything else will figure itself out. You've seen what he's done with trash receivers. You've seen what he's done with Will Fuller out, with Devontae Parker out. The dude is capable of doing things. But you gotta give him time. You gotta give him that running game. So... That's my approach to this coming Dolphin season. That's the way I look at it. Do I believe he can be successful? Absolutely. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. So I'm not mad at that decision. If that is true and he is going to be the quarterback next year, let's see what we got. But I talked about the needs. Offensive line, running game, putting in position to be successful. We have a lot of cap space, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure you guys know that. That is well documented. Now, the question is, what do we do with that cap space? I told you, if you got to overpay for an offensive line, you do so. I mean, it's clear, clear offensive line, most important. But we have other situations. Is Emmanuel Ogba going to come back? Obviously, he's a free agent. Fans love him. I love him. He loves the city. He wants to come back. What do we do there? That's going to be key. I think you need to keep an Emmanuel Ogba because pass rushing is important. and. If Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, like that's a solid front right there. So you definitely want to keep that intact, especially the momentum that that defense started to get towards the second half of the season. I'm a big believer in stability, especially when you have a, a side of the ball that's coming together and putting up these performances like the defense did. I'm a big believer in stability right there. So I'm bringing back defensive guys like Emmanuel Ogba. Come on down. There's no question marks about it. I mean, double-digit sacks, we've seen what he's done. What's the problem, right? So hopefully Agba comes back. Nick Needham's a free agent. That's the superstar right there. He's played amazing this year. And that guy comes from nothing, wasn't drafted, just hard work. I'm keeping a guy like that. He also had a great season. Stability. The Xavier Howard situation, this is when it's going to get tricky. And I'm really, really interested to see what the Dolphins do because X is going to ask for more money. And he had a great season, and this Dolphins defense is not elite without Xavier Howard. I'm going to be real interested to see what the Dolphins do. 
You want to hear my take? First of all, you heard my take last time we had the situation. It depends on what you want. You want to be a top five defense? You pay X. X is a baller. You need him. You want a top five defense? You bring back Xavier Howard and you pay that man. Now, if you want to get cute, you could do so, but it's going to come with a risk. Obviously, his value is really high, so I would understand moving him because you don't want to pay him and you can get some good value, a couple draft picks. But will those draft picks pan out? You don't know. So it's a real tricky situation that I definitely need some more time to think about it. And I want to see how the discussions goes, how the rumors go when it gets closer to that time. Obviously, free agency starts, I believe, mid-March. So we'll see about that. And then Mike Kosicki, obviously, is a free agent as well. You know, there's a knock on him that he can't block, this and that. But obviously, he opens up the game. He has great chemistry with Tua. So I think if Flores was here, I don't think Kosicki would be back. But the fact that Flores is now gone and Greer is going to be the one that should be making the decisions, like first and foremost, and that's it, I could see Mike coming back. I mean, if the, if the plan is basically build around Tua, make Tua successful, you got to keep the guys he loves. And he loves Mike Kosicki. So obviously... That that's the weekly dolphin segment conversation. I definitely wanted to touch it on a few things, and there you have it. I mean, I'm here talking about a lot of things that I know dolphin fans want to listen to, and that's what I was telling you. Even though this dolphin season has ended, we're gonna have a lot of things to talk about on this podcast. Obviously, the head coaching things, the cap space situation, free agency, draft coming up. We haven't even got to draft things. So obviously, the good thing about the NFL and especially our dolphins is that. But we're going to have news all year round and topics to talk about. So keep it locked right here on the Miami Sports Vibes podcast. But now, let's talk some playoffs. So obviously, the NFL playoffs did kick in in full gear this past weekend. And I want to talk a little bit about these games. So it opened up Saturday. And Saturday's first matchup of the NFL playoffs was the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. This game was in Cincinnati. Cincinnati pulling off a 26-19 win. Derek Carr and the Raiders eliminated early. So a nice story that they had. They had a good run heading into the playoffs. Obviously winning those couple games in a row and that thriller against the Chargers. But it wasn't enough. It was not enough for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals as the Bengals, like I said, winning by seven and winning their first playoff game in about 31 years, if I'm not mistaken. That was crazy. I mean, Jamar Chase, first of all, that dude is a freaking stud. He had nine catches for 116 yards in his playoff debut. This man is a rookie, like rookie in the playoffs, big time, big time performance. Joe Burrow, 24 for 34. He had 244 yards, no interceptions, but two touchdowns. He was also great. That's crazy, man. Joe Burrow, first of all, obviously the number one pick, was having a good rookie season, tore his ACL, obviously, ended his season early. Then what happens? Comes back. Not only comes back, comes back and leads the Bengals to division champions in a tough division. I mean, you're talking about you're going against the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cleveland Browns, who obviously, the Browns are no joke. Obviously, they didn't have a good season, but the Browns are capable, obviously, making the playoffs a year prior. And then also winning your first playoff game in Cincinnati Bengals franchise history in 31 years. Like, 
that's crazy. <laughs> Joe Burrow, definitely the right guy. And I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him. Hopefully he does great in the next round. But that's how the first game went. Great job by the Bengals. Next, that bought us against the Patriots, against the Bills. This game was in Buffalo, and it was a freaking shootout. Shootout for the Bills. I mean, the Bills were just completely on one. Absolutely smacked the Patriots. And I was surprised, honestly. You're thinking about a Bill Belichick coach team, obviously losing the last game of the season against the Dolphins. And I'm like, okay, New England's going to show up. They're about to the division game, third time around. You're playing this team for the third time. It's going to be a close game. Uh uh-uh. uh. Josh Allen and the Bills had something else to say. Went in the game 47 to 17. And that 17 right there that the Patriots got was pretty much in garbage time. I mean, this game was over from the jump. Mac Jones was not good out there, threw two interceptions. The running game was non existent. Damian Harris had 30 yards rushing. Stevenson, 27 yards rushing, and they could not get anything going at all. It looked like the Patriots just didn't even want to play, (laughs) which surprised me. Honestly, I mean, this is playoff football, and you're getting smacked by a division opponent like that. Yikes. Josh Allen, 21 for 25, five touchdown passes, 308 yards. I mean, yeah. Do we need to talk about that game? (laughs) No. So the Bills advance to the next round, and then Sunday slate, Started things off with the Tampa Bay Bucks going against the Philadelphia Eagles. Bucks winning that 31 to 15. Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does and just winning. That's typically what he's good at. So he was 29 for 37, had two touchdown passes, 271 yards. Running game wasn't there. Mike Evans, he showed the hell up. Nine receptions for 117 yards and a touchdown. That's going to be the guy that he's really going to be able to rely on because he he doesn't have much of a choice. I mean, guys, remember, Chris Godwin towards ACL. He's done for the year. Antonio Brown had his thing going on. He's not on the team. So Tom Brady, Mike Evans, that's going to be the guy he leans on. Remember, Leonard Fournette did not play this game. Neither did Ronald Jones. They both are banged up. So the Bucks are honestly beatable. So it's going to be real interesting how it goes next week. Then the game of the week, in my opinion, I thought this was the best game, the most entertaining game, was the San Francisco 49ers going to Dallas and playing the Dallas Cowboys. And the Niners pulled off that win 23-17. to Debo Samuel, by the way, unbelievable. I mean, what he's been able to do this entire season Obviously, fantasy football stud, had him in two leagues. This dude is amazing. He carried the ball 10 times for 72 yards and a touchdown. Also had three receptions, 38 yards. This dude is playing running back, wide receiver, and just making plays happen. And he absolutely did so against the Dallas Cowboys. I was shocked, honestly. I had a feeling that the 49ers can win this game uh, as it was closer to the NFL to the kickoff. I said, I kind of have a feeling that the 49ers are going to show up and win. But I just thought Dallas would put up more of a fight. I mean, for Dallas only to score 17 points here, and a lot of that was late. I mean, majority of the game, they were stuck on seven. And this is a high-powered offense that you would think, hey, Cowboys are going to do their thing. Ezekiel Elliott, 31 yards. Like, really? CeeDee Lamb, one catch for 21 yards. Really? Like, this is that Dallas Cowboy offense that everybody was enamored with, including myself. I thought the Cowboys were really, really— Like, if the 49ers were going to win this game— I thought it was going to be a shootout. And hey, credit to the 49ers. They did their thing defensively. Dak Prescott only had 254 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They did their thing, and they locked up the Dallas Cowboys. So shout out to the 49ers for advancing to the next round. And then the Chiefs, 
smacked Big Ben and the Steelers 42 to 21. Patrick Mahomes was absolutely on one. He had 404 yards and five touchdown passes. Unbelievable. Patrick Mahomes is definitely back and he is peaking right now. Like this is when you want Patrick Mahomes to do these things. First round, giving him more confidence heading into next week. I got the Chiefs coming out the AFC as I talked about before. But man, if Patrick Mahomes playing like this, this is against a good Pittsburgh Steelers defense, guys. Like really? Five touchdowns? Chiefs look scary. Now I'm recording this right now before the Los Angeles Rams and the against the Cardinals game, so I don't have nothing to say about that. Um, obviously, by the time you're listening to this, the, the, to this, the game has been concluded. But with that being said, that's the wrap-up. But now, we're going to the next round. And that means it's time for NFL predictions. All right, so the next week of playoff football, NFL season in full swing. Okay, here's how it went last week for me. With the straight picks, remember, I'm recording this before the Rams and Cardinals play each other. I went 4-1, and one, okay? I won the Cincinnati game, the Buffalo game, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, obviously lost the one at Dallas. So 4-1 and one with the straight picks, but against the spread, I got my ass kicked. Pittsburgh didn't cover, Dallas didn't cover, Philadelphia didn't cover, New England didn't, didn't cover, and I barely won the Cincinnati one. So I went 1-4 and four against the spread. So that brings my record to 88 and 51 straight up and 71 and 70 against the spread. So I'm barely on top of 500, but I'm sweating. We'll see how this goes with the Monday night game. So if I go 500 here, we'll see. I did pick the Rams minus four and I took the Rams straight up. So obviously I'll update that on the next podcast, but let's talk about the next round, the divisional round. We start things off Saturday with the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry is set to come back. Tennessee's at home. They're favored by three and a half. Bengals look good like I talked about. I like the three and a half. It's a playoff game. Three and a half. Division round. Second round. You should be able to keep things close. I do like what the Bengals did. They're riding momentum right now. Obviously, beating Tennessee is going to be hard, especially with Derrick Henry coming back. But first game back for Derrick Henry. Is he going to be able to perform like he normally does? I don't ever want to doubt that man because he's a beast, but got a little bit of doubt. Like maybe a slow start and Cincinnati could take advantage of them. Maybe they try to force feed Derrick Henry a lot. We'll see how that goes. I do got Tennessee winning. So I'm picking Tennessee to win this game, but give me the Bengals plus the three and a half. Next, Saturday night, this one's going to be awesome. San Francisco 49ers going on the road to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. Packers are at home, Lambeau Field. They're favored by five and a half points. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the MVP this season. The Packers, to me, are the best team in the NFL at this very moment and throughout the entire season. Like They've been consistent, consistent, consistent. Pure dominance on the offensive end. Their defense is playing good. I got the Packers winning this, okay? I'm not too confident in it, though. Something tells me that the 49ers can really, really go into Lambeau and win this game. I kind of have a feeling that they do. So for that reason, I am going to protect myself here. I'm going to take San Francisco, getting five and a half points, but I'm going to take Green Bay to win this game. The only reason why I'm picking Green Bay is because they're at home. They're the first seed, and they've been really, really consistent throughout the entire year. Obviously, having the MVP Aaron Rodgers, that should be enough, but it would not surprise me if San Francisco can win this game because they're capable. They are definitely capable of doing this to the Packers. So 
We'll see. That's going to be a treat. Probably my favorite game of the week. Can't wait for that. And then Sunday, obviously, like I said, recording this before the game. So I don't know who the Buccaneers will face. I know the Buccaneers will be home. So they'll be playing the Cardinals or the Rams. So I'm going to give you guys, obviously, I don't have a spread for it. But whatever the spread tends to be, I'm going to take whoever with the points because playoff game, second round, I like getting points here, whoever's the underdog. So you can jot that down. And if they play the Cardinals, I got the Bucks. okay? So I would have the Bucks, but the Cardinals with the points. But if they play the Rams, I got the Rams beating the Buccaneers and the Ram or whoever has is the underdog with the points. I would love to see that matchup. Rams against Bucks. That's must-see TV right there. We did get it earlier in the season, but it was not a good game. But best believe the second time around, I think it would be a really, really fun game. I think the Rams are capable of going all the way. Obviously, their defense is top-notch. Stafford has really, really been struggling lately, but it's playoff time. You got to show up, and I think they do. Buccaneers, I think they go down if they play the Rams. Part of it has to do with those injuries. Chris Godwin not being there. The lack of weapons that Brady has. This might be the time. For the Bucks to lose, but they will be at home. So they have a little bit of an advantage there. We'll see. That's my prediction for that game. And then Sunday night, 6:30 game, Eastern Time. The Buffalo Bills taking on the Chiefs. This is gonna be a great, great game. This game is in Kansas City. Kansas City is favored by two points. Both of these teams are the hottest teams in the playoffs. Both of them putting over 40 points scored. Like over 40 points scored. Both of them were on one. They're the hottest teams to play, and this is going to be an entertaining game. Obviously, these teams have gone back and forth over the last couple years. They always tend to play each other when it matters most. And I'm going to say that Kansas City wins this game at home, and I'm going to pick them laying the two points. If it was three, I'd pick Buffalo. But the fact that it's two, I like Kansas City winning by more than two, probably winning by a field goal, maybe more. I think the Chiefs go all the way. So I'm riding with the Chiefs for that. And let's see how it goes. Divisional round. Next time I'll be talking to you guys, it'll be about the conference championships. And this, this thing is winding down. Enjoy some great football. I think we got a lot of great games here. Cincinnati and Tennessee, hopefully that's a good one. That's the only one that might have your stomach like a little eh. But the other games, well, we're about to have some fun. This is when it matters most. This is when you really see elite NFL play. I'm excited for this, and I hope you guys are too. All right, so let's wrap things up here with a little bit of Miami Heat and NBA talk. So last week, the Miami Heat with a, another impressive week, to say the least. They did beat the Hawks twice, which is pretty impressive. I didn't think they could do so. You know, obviously, it's hard to beat a team on a home-at-home home playing them back-to-back games, but credit to the Miami Heat and Coach Spo doing Miami Heat and Coach both things, obviously winning both of those games before dropping one to end the week at the hands of Philadelphia at home, which I hate because I, God damn, I hate Philly. But Philly beat us at home. Tyler Hero obviously continues to be that young contributor to this Heat team, continuing to ball hard, continuing to put on these good, good performances. And that whole case that I talked about last week about Tyler Hero becoming an all-star, I mean, he's just showing you on a night-to-night basis why he should absolutely be considered a candidate. Like, he is definitely on one. He's doing his thing. Love to see it. Jimmy Butler did return this past week, so good news there. Dwayne Dedman as well did return, so we're starting to get some guys back. And, hey, we're the third seed right now. 
without like all these guys in the lineup. Incredible. I believe Bam has missed about 23 to 24 games in the season. Jimmy's missed, I believe it's like 18 or 19. And then the Heat are the third seed in the Eastern Conference and winning, winning big time. Coach of the year, Eric Spolstra, crowned this man already. I'll say it every time on this podcast. I'll say it week after week after week. But like I was saying, Jimmy Butler, the return of the lineup, Dwayne Dedman return. So great signs there. And then Bam Adebayo, obviously, did say this earlier. I'm recording this right before Monday Night Football, before the Monday Night Heat game. But Bam Adebayo questionable to make his return, which more likely than not, he is set to re- make his return on Monday. So great to have Bam back. That makes me so damn happy. Obviously, it's been a long, long layoff for him getting surgery on that thumb. We'll see how he does. I, don't, I can imagine him making an immediate impact. But it's going to take a little bit of time for, you know, for him to get back into that full, full rhythm. But obviously, like I said, he has like a month before the All-Star game. I could see Bam making a late push here and really get considered to being an All-Star. Hopefully he makes it. We'll keep an eye on that. But obviously just getting these guys healthy is what matters most, especially as a Heat fan and for this Heat team. So Jimmy Butler back, Dwayne Dedman back, Bam Adebayo back, and now we're starting to have a good, good feeling about this Heat team. Obviously, we had a good feeling, but now we have that great feeling. And that great feeling is just, you just think about it. You don't even have to see it. What this Heat team has been able to do with missing guys like Bam and missing guys like Jimmy for a long period of time, now you're going to be getting these guys back into the fold with Max Struess already developing to a really nice player, Tyler Hero, all-star caliber, Caleb Martin contributing on the defensive end, and with that effort, P.J. Tucker, amazing season so far. Kyle Lowry, we've seen what he's done. It just goes to tell you, I mean, you bring these guys back, and we're not even fully healthy yet, but just bringing guys like this back can just tell you the potential of what this Heat team can do. Obviously, Victor Oladipo has yet to come back. Markeith Morris is yet to come back. And Duncan Robinson has yet to really find a consistent rhythm from the three-point line, which is frustrating on his own. But if things go well and things go the way it's supposed to happen, I don't want to jinx it, but you got to really, really, really think that this team has what what it takes to get past the Eastern Conference and get to the NBA Finals. You look at Chicago. Chicago's a good team. But I feel like we're better. In a seven-game series, you got to take Miami in that. Brooklyn, they have the star power. But Kyrie Irving, not vaccinated. He's going to miss time. Kevin Durant also injured for quite some time. We'll talk about that later. But that Brooklyn Nets team is beatable. And we got the best coach in the Eastern Conference. I said this last year on the podcast. We have the best coach in the Eastern Conference. Nobody can tell me otherwise. So put all that together with the roster construction that we have. What may be a potential buyout guy down the line. I think, you know, I'm getting that feeling that I got a couple seasons ago. And I, I, had, that couple, I had that feeling, I believe, I, I forgot when it was. I think it was when we did stretch out that home winning streak, when we made it to the finals that year, and then we played the Lakers, and we played them tough and lost by, I think, two or three, but we should have won if it was like a late call. I had a feeling right then and there. I'm like, man, this team has potential to get to the finals and then we bought in jay crowder with that trade then i saw what jay crowder can do from the three-point line and i was like yo we're getting to the finals (laughs) and then we did i didn't have the same feeling last year but the year before i did and i'm starting to get that feeling again so you know maybe i'm over exaggerating but i mean the team has been doing what they've been doing it's hard not to really consider them 
real, real contender and a threat. Whether they win the championship, I don't know about that because some teams in the West, they're, they're freaking scary. But when it comes to the Eastern Conference, I really, really do like our chances. So like I said, the third seed, the Heat getting back healthy, obviously have a couple of good games this week, starting off tomorrow, taking on Portland. Portland this year, without Damian Lillard, he's been hurt. I don't. I think he had season-ending surgery, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Nonetheless, he's out. Anthony Simons has stepped in for him. He's been playing amazing. CJ McCollum, I believe, is back this week, so he's probably going to play against the Heat. Good news for them. Nurkic, it's just that Portland Trailblazers team is just, to me, they're just not good enough. They're just not. There's going to be a certain time when it comes to teams where you just kind of have to blow things up. And I think the Portland Trailblazers have reached that point. Whether or not they realize it or not, clearly not. But the Trailblazers don't scare me at all. That team is its just like that boring team. Like, you guys, we've seen you guys here before. You guys get to the playoffs. You guys lose in the first round. You guys are fun during the, the season. You have these crazy games by CJ, by Dame. You get the national media TV games. But there's just a certain time where you just got to blow it up. And I think Portland is there, and they're not trying to admit it. Um, so that's going to be our first matchup of the week, taking on the Trailblazers. We should take care of that game Friday night. We do take on the Atlanta Hawks yet again. So this is going to be the third matchup in a two-week span. Obviously, the Hawks are going to come out hungry, but the Hawks have not looked good at all. I mean, this season has been a disaster for them. And it's crazy because you look at that team and it's crazy talented. You got Trey Young. You got DeAndre Hunter. You have John Collins, Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams. I mean, did you just hear all those names I said? That's a damn good team. <laughs> but the team is 17-25 and 25 this season. Currently the 12th seed in the East. Like, that's bad. And they're not even close to 11 because Boston has a five-game lead of over them. So the Hawks are just, they're god-awful. And, and this is a team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, guys. I mean, you guys remember that? They knocked off Philly, and they gave the Milwaukee Bucks a run for their money. They almost made it to the freaking finals. And, yeah, it's just a lot of problems in Atlanta. John Collins has been reported not happy. He wants the ball more. And that's kind of what happens in the NBA. You tend to have these teams that exceed expectations when they're young. And if they don't have the mentality to just not worry about themselves and not worry about their stats, and if they develop the mentality early to just care about winning, because sacrifice and winning go hand in hand. But when you have players with their egos that think they're better, that they should get more shots, right there, that's trouble. And that's alarming to me. Typically, that happens with a young, like a young arising team. And that, I think that's what the Hawks are going through. So I expect them to make some changes. I think they need to trim that roster down, maybe trade like two for one, you know, kind of trim that rotation down because they just have too many guys with too many issues and their head is bigger than they really are. And it's trouble but you look at that roster there should be no reason why that team is 17 and 25 coming off the eastern conference finals i mean a lot of people had him as a top four seed including myself but hopefully he take care of business there they should but you never know teams can get hot one game that doesn't mean that the hawks are better than the heat no but we'll see what happens and then sunday night the matchup i'm looking forward to the most I freaking love when we play this team. Taking on the Lakers. The Lakers did beat us earlier in the season. Jimmy Butler only played, I believe, like eight minutes before going down with an injury. Lakers beat us. Malik Monk kicked our ass. Listen, watch Malik Monk this freaking game. Don't let him pop off. 
Like, that's that should be number one, all right? LeBron is going to get his. Worry about Malik fucking Monk. I better not hear that Malik Monk kicks our ass. Like, I hope I'm not talking about that on next week's podcast. So we're taking on the Lakers on Sunday night. I can't wait for that matchup. It's going to be freaking fun. I always get up for things like this. When we play the Lakers, I can't stand the Lakers, can't stand LeBron for what he did to us in Miami. Obviously, I appreciate the championships, but the way it ended, nah. Rooting against LeBron, always. So I'm excited for the matchup. Hopefully all our guys play. That's what I'm hoping for. And I just want to kick their ass. Like, let's kick their damn ass and get revenge for them, you know, winning and talking all that shit earlier in the season. Let's get Jimmy in this game. Let's show them what we're about. I have a bad taste in my mouth. Like, ever since they beat us in the finals— which I feel like if Bam never got hurt and Goran never got hurt, we would have won that. I really, really do believe that. Ever since then, just the hate just is even more for the Lakers. So any opportunity to beat their ass, I'm all here for it. Obviously, we beat their ass twice last season. We got our revenge from the finals. But why stop now? Like, just beat their ass every opportunity that you get. And you got an opportunity Sunday. So really entertaining game. Can't wait for that. And talking about other news in the NBA couple of breaking news to say the least over this last week and that was major one is Kevin Durant I mean Kevin Durant going down with an injury I believe he tweaked his knee and he's going to be missing some time they say probably four to six weeks I would assume that would be six because when you got a superstar like Kevin Durant why why bring him back early you know four weeks way too soon so probably going to be without Kevin Durant for six weeks for the Brooklyn Nets now the Brooklyn Nets are fortunate And they're fortunate because Kyrie Irving, obviously, like I talked about last week, he's back. He can't play the home games, but he could play the road games. But that helps him because that's going to take off a load out of James Harden, who's probably going to take an even bigger load with Kevin Durant being out. But it also gives them another score, and another score being one of the best in Kyrie Irving, obviously one of the most skilled players in the NBA. Such a joy to watch. I love Kyrie Irving. He's a Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey guy. You know, that, that speaks for itself. But they're lucky. They're lucky because if Kyrie Irving wasn't back, I mean, then you're asking James Harden to do all this. I mean, it, it, the Nets would probably fall, but I think they'll stay afloat. Uh, second seed, I don't see it. They'll probably drop off a little bit, but Kyrie Irving being here definitely, definitely helps out the Kevin Durant situation. But hopefully he gets back healthy and hopefully he gets back healthy soon. Hopefully no setbacks because obviously at the end of the day, you don't want to see nobody get hurt miss some time the NBA is better with the superstars like when it comes down to it all I want to beat the Nets with the full team I want to beat the Nets with Kevin Durant and obviously Kevin Durant one of the best players if not the best player in the NBA you definitely don't want to see him miss time it's good for the game like having Kevin Durant there is good for the game having Klay Thompson like all these superstars never root for no injury so hopefully he gets back soon Uh, a couple other things i want to talk about a couple teams are impressive in the east i talked about this plenty of times before but i want to give a shout out to some players i said the cleveland cavaliers i said the Cavs are really really impressive because they've dealt with covid this year they dealt with a lot of people you know in and out the lineup injuries things like that but they've pulled off some great great wins and they're the sixth seed in the eastern conference still they're 26 at 18 at the time I'm recording this. Their coach has been unbelievable. But I want to give a shout out to Darius Garland, man. This guy is a young point guard, and he's just really, really coming into his own. And I got to give him his flowers. I mean, what he's been able to do, I've been watching some Cavs games here and there. And every time I watch Garland, I'm like, damn, this little point guard got game. 
I mean, this past weekend had a 27-point and 18-assist game. Had a triple-double couple games before against Utah. Had a 32-point game over the weekend against the San Antonio Spurs. And that was a back-to-back. He went with 32 points, 8 assists, and then on the second night of a back-to-back had 27 points, 18 assists. Now he's averaging 19.7 points per game, 7.8 assists, 3.3 rebounds. Reason I want to talk about him is because I seriously think that that guy definitely needs some all-star consideration. At least should be a top candidate in the guard. So he definitely deserves a vote. He's going to have my vote. I'm definitely going to vote for him because I always root for these young guys. Like, if you deserve to make an all-star game, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, I'm going to vote for you, and I think you should make it. At the end of the day, it shouldn't be about, oh, who's the flashy player? Like, I saw Derrick Rose in the top seven. Like, that's freaking ridiculous. How the hell are you going to vote Derrick Rose over Darius Garland? I mean, come on. Like, what is this about? Is this about fun? And that's probably why there's a whole knock on, you know, having fans vote if they keep doing shit like this. Um, Another guy on the Cavs, Jared Allen. Unbelievable season. I mean, he's a nightly double double. He's got a double double mostly every single game. He's got an 18 and 17 game recently, a 17 and 16, 13 and 13, a 22 and 12. The list goes on and on. I mean, if you just search up Der- uh, Jared Allen's stats, you'll be impressed. Doing it all on the offensive end and the defensive end, blocking shots left and right. He's averaging 16.6 points a game, 11 rebounds. That's another one that definitely deserves some all-star consideration in the Eastern Conference. And I just wanted to give them their flowers. So that's what I want to talk about in the East. In the Western Conference side of things, though, just want to give you guys a little NBA recap here. Uh, Phoenix continues to be the number one seed. They're doing their thing on a night-to-night basis. No surprise there. Pretty much when you keep that core like they did and add to it, adding JaVale McGee, you know, filling those holes in, Phoenix is definitely going to be there. They're going to be there at the end. They're going to be consistent throughout. I could see them finishing either the one or two seed. This is a team that plays hard, too, night to night. And it's crazy. It's crazy what Monty Williams really got them boys doing. Uh, Clay Thompson, obviously back. We talked about that last week. He's starting to get in the groove. Obviously, he has not really popped off yet because he's still on his minute restriction. He's playing like five-minute burst or six-minute burst. But Golden State continues to be the second seed. And Clay Thompson continues to find his rhythm. But if he really, really gets rhythm, when I'm talking about netting four threes in a row or four threes in a game, I think that's when the Warriors are really, really going to get hot. Obviously, they have the injury to Draymond Green and Steph Curry, which is kind of terrible because, you know, Draymond Green really is the heart and soul of that team. He makes that team go like the best Golden State Warriors team you're going to see is with Draymond Green on the floor. Obviously opens up shots on the offensive end for them, pushes the break, talks on defense, the defensive anchor, probably one of the best defenders in the NBA. So they're definitely missing Draymond Green. I can't wait to see him back healthy. They said that he's about going to get another reevaluation in two weeks. Typically that means you're missing more than two weeks, maybe a month. So hopefully he gets healthy. Like I said about Durant, you, you don't want to see none of these top guys get hurt. Um, Memphis and John Morant continued to do their thing. Their winning streak reached 11 games last week before it was snapped at the hands of Luka Doncic. But John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies, continue to impress me. I mean, wow. That's another Coach of the Year candidate who they have over there. I believe it's Taylor Jenkins. Unbelievable. Definitely John Morant deserves his flowers. He has been putting on a show on a night-to-night basis, has the Memphis Grizzlies at the four seed in the Western Conference. Like, that, that's something special. Like, it's really time 
to give these Grizzlies, like, you got to watch out for them. <laughs> John Moran seriously on one. He has 24.4 points a game this season, 5.8 rebounds, 6.8 assists, shooting over 48% from the field. Dude is amazing. Most likely, obviously, actually, definitely making his first All-Star appearance this season. Definitely vote for that man. Uh, Lakers, on the other hand, continue to struggle. They have not found a groove. They went all cute, getting all these players like Westbrook and Trevor Ariza and Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, Carmelo Anthony. Complete makeover. They really got cute with it, and they have nothing to show for. Right now, at the time of recording this, they're 21-22, and 22, eighth seed in the Western Conference. Yikes. And I don't see that getting any better. I don't know how they get better. I really don't. There's a move to be made for sure. Maybe moving Westbrook, but then again, who's going to take on that bad contract? Like, that contract is awful. I mean, he's due, like, I think $44 million this year, 47 next year. Who the hell wants that? But I'll tell you what, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And right before we wrap up, what I said I was going to start last week, continuing this week, giving you guys my three games of the week that I'm watching that you should watch as well. Not counting Heat games, because that Lakers and Heat game is definitely a game to watch, but not counting Heat games. So the first one, Thursday night primetime on TNT, the Phoenix Sun taking on the Dallas Mavericks. That's one to watch. Friday night, the Chicago Bulls taking on the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. That's going to be a treat. And then Sunday, right after that Heat-Lakers game on NBA TV, the Utah Jazz taking on the Golden State Warriors. Hopefully Steph Curry's back for that matchup. If he is, obviously no Draymond Green, but that's going to be one to watch. Jazz, great team. Warriors, great team. And yeah, keep enjoying this NBA season. Now that football's coming to an end, you guys got to start getting back into that NBA mode. It's a lot of good things to watch. So I hope you enjoy it. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Episode 53 in the books. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast like you guys always do. The incredible support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, hope you have a great week. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. Things are going down to the wire. Enjoy those NBA games that I talked about. Heat and Lakers Sunday especially. Please tune into that game. Let's beat the Lakers ass, please. Guys, like I said, enjoy the week. Make it a great week. And I'll be here with you guys next Tuesday. And thanks for listening to the Miami Sports Vibes podcast with Nando Diaz. Mm -hmm.